Welcome to Staying at the Table. We are friends and community and part of a church called Cornerstone Christian Fellowship in Westchester, Pennsylvania. Despite our many differences, we aim to stay at the table, which means we don't walk away from each other when we disagree. We believe the best of relationship comes when we're willing to listen to each other, showing love even when we continue to see the world differently. So welcome back, everybody. This is Matt Kistler. We're here for part three of our Sophia Futra story. Um, I'm here with the jaunty, jovial, jazzy James Beatty. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is just going to get better. The terrific, talented, thoughtful, teachable, Reverend Dr. Tracy Saleta. <laughs> That's awesome. We got the sharp, sweet, super strong Sophia Futris. And behind the sound desk, we got the daring, dauntless, dazzling Dave Moore. <laughs> That's wow. so good. What about you? I'm Matt Kistler. Oh, come on. <laughs> the magnificent, memorable, methodical, m- mesmerizing, mesmerizing. I like that. Matt Kistler. All right. So let's jump back in. Um, where we left off last time. We were talking about Sophia's college years and your introduction with an evangelical faith kind of into the mix of your uh, journey of orientation and identity. And we wanted to pick back up there talking about the different, more of how those different pieces interacted. So why don't you take us back to where we were and... uh, Think about how how did the church um, push you to act, respond, be um, in that understand? And and I'm kind of interested in how you were thinking again about your about Christ and you. Like, what was Christ saying to you in mm-hmm. these years about who you were and mm-hmm. what you were to be? Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. I'm glad to be back with everyone today. And so I, I think that there was something, this is, this is something that I think is important to say is that until you come out of a system or a a belief, a mentality, a theology, you don't really realize how much damage it's doing to you in the middle of it. Mm. Because in the middle of it, right, you, we, one is attracted to something because it's serving us in some way. And so I think in the middle of it, it was serving the purpose of helping me hide and helping me be safe from mm-hmm. my fears of being found out, of being wrong, of messing up, of going to hell or whatever. And so it served its purpose for that. So in the midst of it, I couldn't see as clearly as when I started to come out of it. And it was once I came out of it that I realized, oh my gosh, this was so toxic. This kind of spiritual culture is toxic and it's hurting people, not just LGBT people, but people in any kind of regard of their humanity. Mm-hmm. And I can remember going to every kind of conference or going to deliverance and deliverance just to go and basically try and pray really, really hard and confess and and renounce and revoke and any kind of re or un doing that I could do to get this out of me so that I could be free, I was invested in. And I thought that it was going to work. But everything I did didn't work. It just caused more shame and more fear and pushed things down even further. Did you have other 
aspects of your life that you felt like you were trying to release? Like, did did that approach work in other areas? So, for example, um, I, I don't even know. I can think about in my own life where there were things that I considered broken within me mm-hmm. that I did not do kind of the deliverance circuit, um, but through o- over time and prayer and release, um, I, I did see change in my life. And I was wondering if you've also experienced not the other side of that, because I think mm-hmm. there's kind of a specific air and the deliverance thing is kind of its own toxic mm-hmm. thing. But did you feel deliverance from anything? Sure. Yeah, that's a great question. And I think absolutely. I think, you know, I think there's a distinction for me and even across boards of what people believe about homosexuality in that sense of identity, right? So, or around your inherent worth as an individual. So, yes, I think for for things like transforming my heart, how I see people, how I treat people, uh, my general care of the other. And I think all of those things increased in me. And I think that there was areas where I needed to forgive or release things that, you know, just became difficult in my mind that I had to utilize those same tools. Mm -hmm. And I still utilize some of those tools now. Mm -hmm. So again, not deconstructing to the point where there's, it's all bad because mm-hmm. I don't think, I don't think it's all bad. And I think it's important to still use some of those four areas where you need strength. You need to develop inner strength and discipline to shift mentalities or um, behaviors. Yeah. Well, I think that's an important point that, that I want to pause on for a minute and, you know, Testimony after testimony after testimony, and so many of them are within our own church mm-hmm. context, is that those those tools are very transformative mm-hmm. and very effective in all areas, mm-hmm. except this one. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen it time and time again in people's lives bring freedom. I myself mm-hmm. have experienced much deliverance, much freedom, much transformation. Mm-hmm. But testimony after testimony is said I've spent years, mm-hmm. years praying to God to please take this away, yeah. praying and asking God, please. So out of all the things that people have prayed for or asked God to deliver them from, release them from, that do ha- get healing, mm-hmm. that there is a transformation, except this one. Yes. So that's got to inform you about something. Yeah. That's got to inform you about the the understanding that this is not something that someone chooses, mm-hmm. but it is something that one is. Mm-hmm. And and that includes all of it, LBGTQIA+. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's an important um, acknowledgement. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. And I think that 
I think that I lost my thought. <laughs> Is that why you went That's silent? Pause. That wasn't my deep sacred pause. <laughs> I was like, "What is she doing, James? Did you have something?" No, just, that was her deep holy pause. Exactly. pause. <laughs> well, I, I think that's that's a re- really good lead in, Matt. When you say, "Well, all these other tools that do these things that we all agree God wants to improve us, right?" Mm-hmm. So, how do you care for society? How do you care for right. others? It works for all of this and not for the uh, for this topic. Could it be God saying, take away what? Mm. You tell me. Mm-hmm. What are you trying? Right? Attraction is a part of who people, is yeah. a part of your makeup. Mm-hmm. What are you saying? Yeah. Um, so that that's, I, I'm processing as the conversation is going on. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so that's a very... That that's further than my mind had gone prior to this conversation. Yeah, yeah. It's true. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, and I think I remembered my thought. So I think that some people would say, or some people did say to me, "Well, that just means that that's a really strong demonic spirit yeah. in you, and that's why it won't go away, and you need to do more." Right? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I literally mm-hmm. had somebody say to me, "Right, right. your spirit of homosexuality." is stronger than ever because I never, whatever. And so I'm like, what? Like that does a number on your mind mm-hmm. because see, you know, guilt says I did something bad. Shame says I am something bad. And there is a place for guilt in the spiritual journey. If we, if we have wrongs, there's a place to feel. It alerts us. Yeah. It's an alert, right? There's a place of like, oh crap, like I shouldn't have done that. That wasn't bringing life to me or to the person in front of me. But shame has no place. And shame is the voice that says, you are bad. You are not okay. And essentially that's what people say. And I think that, that that's a good um, little flag for people to be looking for is if the solution is you aren't doing enough like that sounds intrinsically unchristian to me, mm-hmm. even though to many that might sound like a very Christian thing to say. Yeah. Like in my journey, when I've had to move away from habits or sin patterns, it was never about you need to do more when I felt God at work. Mm-hmm. It was always God work in me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God. I offer myself to you. Yeah. And I acknowledge that I'm not going to work myself through this. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that that when when we when the solution is more mm-hmm. prayer, more events, more whatever my work. more of my work, that should be a, a a warning to people. And that you're inherently bad. Right. Because of it. You right. are a bad person. Right, yeah. I mean, that's an anti-Christ message. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and even, you know, people would say to me, and people believe this still, right, if you are gay, then you are going to hell. And I'm like, wait a minute. So you mean to tell me the whole gospel that you've been trying to preach to people of the good news that says it's by faith through grace that you've been saved, not by works so that no one can boast. You mean to tell me, so if I have this one area of my life that doesn't 100% match up, that I'm not going to get into heaven, but you've just told me that this whole journey to quote unquote get into heaven is not about what you do, 
but about what Christ did for you. So is this just out? This is the one thing that really is out. And if it's that, where does it say that in the Bible? Yeah, because they, it doesn't. And before mm-hmm. this, it was divorce. Right. Yes, absolutely. So go back to the last, um, unless you want to continue to talk about the amount of times that, you know, you really, um, you know, sought Pursuit out deliverance. deliverance. Yeah. But go to the beginning to lead and what I heard in the last podcast was just the gentleness and the whispering of God yeah. to begin to invite you into your true self mm-hmm. and start to talk about that transformation. Now, I, I want to put it in context. You have graduated. You have been through seminary. Mm-hmm. Seminary began to, to creak open doors. Mm-hmm. You have... You have um, really entered into ministry. You have become an elder within Cornerstone. And you're in leadership. You're entrenched. Mm-hmm. Like you are, you are fully, and the whispering begins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So can you, can you take us on that journey? Yeah. So... I can remember in seminary, we we were, I was in a class on Romans, and the professor said, she started breaking down some of those texts that talk specifically about homosexuality. And she started uncovering some of what the Greek actually said and broke down the history of those words and the context in which those words were used. And my mind was blown because it wasn't as what I'd been told and what I had read in kind of mainstream media around the stance on LGBTQ lifestyle. And so that really started to open me up of like, wait a minute, this, if there's something here then I need to look at it. And so I started to just struggle and wrestle and everything came up again. And at a certain point I remember trying to go to therapists and counselors and I, I, said to, I said to Tracy, I said, I just keep struggling with this. And she just looked at me, and this was before we were inclusive, before anything like that. And she said, what if instead of trying to constantly fight this, you accept it and you see what God says to do about it? Because up until that point, I had just been like rejecting it, wouldn't accept it, couldn't even let it be a part of who I was, except when I had to tell somebody on an application. And so then I started taking the journey of like, okay, I, I'm just going to start to accept myself and say, this is a part of myself. What do I do now? I just want to add that you got mad at me. I definitely got mad at her because it was like, it, it scared the crap out of me. Because accepting it, not accepting it was my whole like, you know, Mission devotion life so far. to Christ was yeah. like, I will always, it was how I, that was what I did was like, there was, this was never going to be okay. This part of me was never okay. It was bad. It was, it was evil. And so to try and think about integrating those two and even having the conversation of like, okay, like I accept it. Right. Now, what do I do? Am I going to be single? Am I going to walk away from the church? Like, those are my options, right? Well, and let me add in here, because 
in journeying this with you, you know, I remember I remember that moment as I'm I know you do, and just your torment and your depression mm-hmm. and me saying to you, Soph, what if this is who you are? Mm-hmm. What if this is a reality? Mm-hmm. And you looked at me and and you know said, well, what if, what will that mean for and being an elder? What will mm-hmm. that mean for my ministry? Mm-hmm. And and my response was, you know, we we take the journey. Yeah. I don't know what that means because we were not mm-hmm. we were not um, inclusive at that point. Yeah. But I had begun to read, right? And so I had begun to gently shift. I hadn't shifted at that point yet, yeah. but it was more important to me for for the torment to stop yeah. than it was what you do within the church. Yeah. So it was not a moment of like kumbaya where I'm like, Sophia, you know, it <laughs> yeah. was more like, what if you are this? My God, grab a hold of it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, and I want to say that because it was not a... a kumbaya all spiritual it, it was a it was a tense moment and then you got angry yeah you know because and i saw the fear mm-hmm. and then the conversation just died yeah and then we just went on our way <laughs> yeah so but i think it's important to yeah it well i just want to say i, I want to say like that was the first time probably in my spiritual life that a spiritual leader religious figure in my life had had talk to me about it from a place of my humanity and my wholeness mm. and caring for me as a person, as opposed to looking at it as an issue that needed to be dealt with. Mm. So I just want to say thank you for being you know, a pastor who cares more about the whole person than, than the issue of, of that person. Yeah. Mm. Because in that, in that moment, you you started the process of if this is a word rehumanization mm. because i think that so often spiritual culture dehumanizes us as humans and wants us to become perfect robots who look like the updated western modern translation of white christian culture yeah mm. yeah and so when you were, were upset at pastor t's question or statement what was dry? What? How did you interpret that statement that made it agitating instead of liberating? I think because I spent my whole life working so hard to create a persona and a vision of who I needed to be to be uh-huh. acceptable in the church community, especially and respectable. That I was like, "Who are you to think that like you're gonna like <laughs> like?" There's no like. There was just no. There was no space for that to ever be okay. You're going to pop my persona. Right. And my world's going to blow up and I'm going to lose everything and nobody's going to respect me and, and I'm going to like lose everything. Like, and I'm going to go crazy and I'm going to become some like lustful heathen who is going to like attack all (laughs) the women of the century. You know? (laughs) And I was hoping, you know, that work would be in there. What am I going to lose? Yeah. Yeah. By Absolutely. being me. Yeah. What am I going to lose? Yeah. And, and that's a terrible position. Yeah. Uh, Another thing I, I'm kind of hearing a lot is um, kind of true identity being me. What elements of your identity do you feel like had been warped and 
were in need of rehumanization. Because mm-hmm. I'm hearing that it wasn't just your sexuality, mm-hmm. right? Mm, and, good point. Because back, back even to the thought a couple episodes ago of it wasn't just your sexuality that was impacted in high school, but your whole social world, your relational world. So when, when we talk about true identity having a chance to come out, like what are some of the elements that you saw as being suppressed because of the hiding shame mm-hmm. dynamic? You know, I think I, I did a pretty, I think I became externally like pretty masterful at creating a certain image that I wanted everybody to see. I think I think what really shifted for me was my internal world and craving a sense of okayness on the inside, craving a sense of peace that I never felt like I ever had. And because I didn't even realize like what was missing until I had that moment where I finally for a year said, I accept myself. I embrace all the parts of myself I accept myself. I embrace all the parts of myself over and over and over again. That I could that I could finally start to see what was lost. And I think because the war was so great within me, so much energy was expended on living two lives that I feel like it was only until until the last couple of years that I really started to see what was missing. And part of that is like the unlocking that we'll talk about later of art, creativity, sharing more honestly. And, and I think just living from a different place of openness and rest and a place of being able to receive and give love in a mm-hmm. way that was really authentic. Mm-hmm. Because personally, I would say I could feel I mean, and we, you know, if we're going to yes. talk in a different moment about kind of the unlocking, but I could feel before the tension mm-hmm. and, you know, I wasn't in on the secret, so I, I didn't know what it was, but I could feel the space. I could feel the, the, yeah, just like the tension mm-hmm. around you. And, and I saw a change there mm-hmm. and at least in in some ways that wasn't, I, I think people can just get caught up on this idea of your sexual identity is just a part of you. And mm-hmm. that is true in my perspective, mm-hmm. but it's impact the, the fight of, of fighting yourself. It's like a, it's like a black hole that warps other parts of you. And I, and I think it's really been beautiful to see kind of the the unwarping, the mm-hmm. rehumanization, as you put it, of yourself. Once that hiding shame uh, complex was released. Yeah. Thank you. It- you mentioned before that the whispers had started. Um, I guess I was like mad. I put my head in the sand and, and I keep moving on with my own personal life. What was that like and what type of whispers? Because uh, I'm drawing back to the um, a couple of episodes ago when you're saying, hey, I'm really cautious about the things around me and what I 
was hiding. And you also mentioned just a few moments ago, you had become masterful at the image that you were trying to create. And now here's these whispers. Mm -hmm. How do you mentally deal with that? Yeah, I... (laughs) I think I, I think I started to, I like obsessively started to research everything I could. I think I took like 30 quizzes on like how to know if you're gay. <laughs> <laughs> and like the number one part of the quiz is like, if you're taking this quiz, you're probably gay. <laughs> you're right, because I've you've, never taken you've, the quiz. You've lived. 30 years with this and you went to an online <laughs> quiz. I mean, I just... I mean... <laughs> people. That were, right? Yeah. Right? But that's it, right? So you're like, I think it started to be... I think that I slowly, instead of working towards everything to deny this, I started looking for commonality of like who else feels this way. And I started researching and I don't read books, but I read parts of books. So I started looking at books and reading things or reading articles. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is how I feel. And like, started having conversations with Tracy, having conversations with some, a couple of friends who knew my journey and therapy, therapy. I had, you know, if it, Couple. I switched couple. therapists because when I was trying to process through this with one therapist, basically the answer I got was, well, you just need to remember what the Bible says and stay strong. And so I shifted therapists to an affirming kind of open therapist who was going to help me on the journey. Mm-hmm. And so I think going through all of that and I think the mental work, the mental exercise that I did around finding and resting in the love of God for me, no matter what I was. And for all of me, slowly helped me to, I think what sealed the deal for me was that one moment in the car where I was like, I had no music on and I was like, this is so weird. What is this feeling or why? And it was just like, everything was blank. And for the first time in my Mm. life, I felt like I had mental peace Mm. and rest and there was no fight it was like the fight within my soul just quieted and I was like that's such a weird feeling what is that feeling and I felt this little thing rise up in me and just say like this is this is what peace is this is shalom this is the wholeness coming together this is what this feels like Mm. and I've been different ever since yeah because first off I love that gets me choked up a little bit because it's I know the torment, mm-hmm. right, of yeah. your soul, of your mind. Um, because in this time, which was minimally a year, it this time where you said maybe, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe I need to embrace it, right, was was at least a year. So, in this time, you're struggling from anxiety. Mm-hmm. You're struggling from fear. Mm-hmm. You're struggling with who am I? You're taking online quizzes. Yeah. You're reading parts of books. <laughs> You're <laughs> researching articles. Yeah. You're studying the Bible. Mm-hmm. You're looking up Greek words. I mean, this was not a time, you know, when you're talking about, you know, the whisper. You have the juxtaposition of the torment. Mm-hmm. 
Could it be, mm-hmm. alongside the whispers of God and the invitation of God, yeah, to to the invitation to your own authenticity, yeah, because you know, alongside this, and Matt, you were saying this. I remember the arguments that you and I would get into. That I would be like, you have a beautiful persona, but I think you're lying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not real. Mm-hmm. Where is Sophia? Yeah, and I would be, you know, mentoring at its best. You know, there's no kumbaya here. They're screaming, "Where's Sophia?" You know, it's like, yeah. "Where is Sophia?" Yeah, I didn't even know the depth of mm-hmm. the journey of your identity as and your uh, of your orientation. Mm-hmm. I I didn't know that. You know, I, I got I got parts of it, but I didn't get the whole. I never put where is Sophia with orientation. Right. So, you know, and I and I I'm again acknowledging this and bringing it up because I don't want somebody who's listening to think it was a walk in the park for you. No. You know, even the the year of transformation was a year of torment. Yes. And and a year of many tears, much fear, mm-hmm. even continued praying for God, take this away from me, take mm-hmm. this cup away. Mm-hmm. You know, so I just want to acknowledge that. This is not an easy journey. Yeah. And and I want to acknowledge that even to those that, you know, believe it is a sin, mm-hmm. you know, that are still there, that this journey into, into accepting one's orientation, it it's not just, it's not easy. Yeah. It is it is a it is a difficult time wading through the Christian uh rhetoric theology boxes mm-hmm. of orientation and yeah. the church. Absolutely. It it it's it's a big it's a big journey. Which is I'm gonna let me finish real fast, Matt, which is which is why and I'm gonna put a plug in here, this in the fall, we want to have a conference with Sophia headlining it, it, it along with Cornerstone on on healing in this regard, LBGTQIA plus community healing in the church. Mm-hmm. This is something that is on our heart to do. Yeah. So, Matt. Yeah, I was just going to say something that left my head. We all, we've do- all done it. <laughs> oh, that it wasn't, I think sometimes people can hear about a journey and have a perspective that, oh, you're just doing this because uh, from a church perspective that your, your church is shifting theology because it's socially pers- acceptable or it's because oh, yeah. of the mm-hmm. Good point. general, you know, you, you just... Society. Society culture. is pushing mm. you to do this. Right. And I think it's an important clarification that especially in the context of Sophia, that wasn't the mm-hmm. case. It wasn't mm-hmm. like, oh, well, we read about transgender bathrooms in the Wall Street Journal and now suddenly we were going to... Yeah, jump on the bandwagon. Jump on the bandwagon because it was convenient and helpful. Um, it made our lives easier. And it's almost the opposite. Yeah, and it was a transformation of pain mm-hmm. for you personally. Mm-hmm. Ironically, Cornerstone was also going through the same transformation of pain. Yeah. Because we were doing the same biblical study, the same looking up. We did not do online. <laughs> I, I, I didn't Is do Cornerstone any courses. Gay? We did. <laughs> 
<laughs> I haven't taken that test yet. I'm delinquent. Exactly. I, I, I'm not planning on it. Right. We did not do any online quizzes. Um, but we were we were on the same traje- trajectory mm-hmm. and and yes, looking at it. But I, I can see from our most magnificent sound man that we have come to the end of another um podcast and we're we're going to do one more on this and this is the unlocking itself that that I think is lovely and uh exciting for me because um just the beauty of it and watching it and watching Sophia blossom in this regard and watching new creativity uh reveal itself and unveil as she finally embraces her true self so gets me teary again, people. I'm just the weeping <laughs> pastor. I can't help it. So, um, you know, praying for everybody as you listen to this podcast. And I hope you find a table to stay at in the midst of difficulty um, because of love. So we thank you for tuning in and share our podcast. Yes. Thank you all. Staying at the Table is hosted by Dr. Tracy Saletta, Matthew Kissler, and James Beatty and produced by Hear It Sound and Studio. Got a question or a comment or a topic you want discussed? Email us at adminccf at gmail.com. We'd love hearing from you. And don't forget to subscribe to keep up to date with new episodes coming out. And if you're feeling kind, leave us a review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. Find out more about staying at the table at cornerstonewestchester.com.